0: Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of my show. I'm Father Roderick and this is the last show of, well, my time in exile here in the loft of Father Henry's rectory and also the beginning of a new era. Me be moving into my new home in Venecum, the Netherlands. But don't worry, I will bring you all with me and... I have to thank, at the beginning of this show, my patrons that support me on patreon.com slash Their ongoing support has been hugely important for me, especially in this past half year where everything was shifting, everything was moving, and things haven't finished moving yet. So in all those changes in my life and in the way I can do my ministry, uh, it's still very comforting for me to have this This is community of people that support what I do, that believe in what I do, and are also enabling it with their monthly donations. For them, I'm going to record another episode of Father Roderick to the Max. It's a podcast that you get access to when you become a patron, and you will also become an automatic member of the Discord community, which is a very fun place where the community gathers and exchanges all sorts of photos ideas you know we talk about movies that we've seen we exchange recipes we post photos of our pets it's a really really fun place to hang out so i'm super happy that we have those patrons and it's thanks to them that you are listening to this show do you know what's going on this is what's happening in your world face it catholics rule we got boston south america the good part of ireland and we're making serious inroads in mozambique baby taken your first step into a larger world. Well, my first step into a larger world was literally a first step into a larger home. For six months now, I've been living in this tiny loft in the attic of Father Henry's big, big uh, rectory. This rectory was built uh, right after the Second World War, uh, they bombed part of the church. The tower collapsed. And when they were rebuilding the tower, they also decided to build a new rectory for the for the priest at that time, for the pastor. And uh, back then, a pastor didn't live alone. He had uh, personnel, usually. He had sometimes several other priests that lived in the same house. So this is a very, very big rectory. And multiple people live in this house. Father Henry himself. We've got Eric, who will be a priest next year, and also right now two Italian students that were actually former students because they now are, both have a job in the Netherlands, but they still live here. So, um, but this is a the first day of the moving process. Uh, earlier today, I went to the to the rectory in Bennekom, which is almost entirely finished. We had some hiccups. There are still a few things that are unfinished, but most of it is ready for me to move in. And uh, the first thing I did was to put my bed on the floor. Actually, not the bed itself, just a mattress. But it was, for me, it was a symbolic way of taking ownership of of the house, the house is not a house; it's not a home until your bed is there. So that's what I did. Now I did not do much else. I what I did, I I bought a lot of detergent and also and soap and whatnot because tomorrow I'm going to have a few people coming over from uh, Um, this so my the pre- place where I previously lived. They're gonna help me to clean the rectory, and of course, since they've been working for six months in this house, renovating everything from top to bottom. You can imagine that there's a lot of dust. Uh, They just put the floors in there. There is just leftover, uh, well, not really garbage, but but just just you you can imagine if they have to cut things uh, to to measure. All that leaves uh, a lot of rubble that has to be cleaned out. So tomorrow, with a couple of people, we're going to spend all day cleaning everything from top to bottom, and then hopefully we'll be able to move in the first uh, few pieces of furniture and it will actually start to look like a house. I couldn't do much by myself because, of course, when f- before you clean, you want the house to be as empty as possible. But at least I've got my mattress there, so it's now officially my home because my bed is there. However, the only thing that is lacking, or one of the important things that is still lacking, is heating. And, well, the month of October has started here in the Netherlands with really bad uh, weather. Winter is coming. It's been raining. It's windy. It is cold. Um, But uh, the problem is that in my new rectory, I need a number of new radiators. We've been, for instance, rearranging the kitchen, and there was a big, chunky, old... 1950s radiator standing in a place where it was the most inconvenient location for a radiator so we removed that one um, there were other radiators in the living room but they were actually too small they had been installed in the 50s when most of the 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 first floor was was heated by gas uh, they had gas stoves or something like that it's very old-fashioned nobody uses that anymore. So the actual capacity of the, of the remaining radiators uh, was, not, was not good enough for, um, uh, to, to keep them. So those have to be replaced as well. Then upstairs, we created a bathroom, um, which also requires us to put in place a new radiator. And then in the room where I'll have my studio, where I'll have my computer, my podcasting gear, etc., um, there was one radiator that was rusted, rusted and it was on the verge of breaking. And, but it formed a pair with another radiator. So all in all, seven radiators need to be replaced. And apparently it's not a good time to do that because uh, all these companies are super busy. Um, I've, I've put out the order, Finally. And uh, they are currently, they have ordered the radiators, but they have no idea when they will be delivered from the factory. And well, a lot of, even Ikea has empty shelves right now in the Netherlands. It's just insane how, how much, um, the whole home refurbishing industry has been reeling and, and has been impacted by, by this year and a half of, of, of COVID pandemic. So Hopefully, hopefully they will be able to fix the, the 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 heating system before it gets really cold. But if not, you know, here in the attic it's not really warm either. So I'm currently heating this room with a small, tiny electrical uh, heater. Otherwise, it would be probably 12 degrees here, and it actually like yesterday it was around 12 or 15, 14 degrees in this room, which is fine when I sleep because I can cover myself with all sorts of. Uh, uh, well, the covers, <laughs> but um, but during the day, I've I've literally sat here um, heating my hands around a cup of tea. I don't like tea, but I just needed something hot so my my hands would stay warm because I was editing on the computer, and every time my hands would get cold and also inflexible, and it would be really really difficult to work. Um, so anyway. Things are are looking good. I'm really, really looking forward to to putting the furniture in the house. Um, we'll probably also hang some curtains, not all of them, but uh, still in the main rooms we'll put some curtains and then we'll look at the rest. So I think gradually over time this is going to look like a house, feel like a house. The kitchen is also not finished yet, unfortunately. Uh, electricity is all in place, but the the person that was in charge of the renovation who's been working uh, for almost five and a half months in my house, together with someone else, um, he was actually supposed to finish the work this week. And so I called him up at the beginning of the week, asking uh, about his planning. And then he told me he fell off his bike and he broke his collarbone, which is extremely painful. And it takes about six to eight weeks to heal. And in the meantime, he cannot work. Oh, it's things like that. that. Uh, so I don't know if I will have a kitchen in the next two months. But at least I'm pretty sure that we'll have a kitchen around Christmas time. <laughs> and in the meantime, I'm just glad there are a lot of good restaurants out there <laughs> in Bennecom. <laughs> and uh, maybe if I can dig up an old microwave or something like that, I will be able to uh, to cook some food. So things are looking up. It's going to take a while for me to settle in the new house. But... On the feast day of St. Therese of Lisieux, as planned, my bed is there and my home is now open. So things are only going to get better. (laughs) I do not like movies? They're predictable. Like the guy gets the girl and that kid sees dead people and Darth Vader is Luke's father. Not liking movies is like not liking puppies. They're fine. I just get bored and never make it to the end. You know, you need a movie education. You need a cation. I'm going to give it to you. And while I was playing the jingle for uh, the movie and TV segment, I got some uh, some comments and some questions in the chat room, which I can briefly address here. Why not? Um, and Eric's question actually refers to the movie and TV segment, asking me if I've watched Marvel's What If lately. Um, yeah, I watched it. It's kind of uneven. Some episodes are, are interesting. Others are kind of meh. Didn't really appeal to me. I heard the last one is really good, but I haven't seen it yet. Apparently there is a Star Wars crossover. And it's it's very, very subtle because Disney actually does not want a, a Marvel-Star Wars crossover. These are separate universes. But in the last What If, apparently there is a fight at one point between Ultron, I think, and some other... I don't know. I think the two AIs are, are fighting each other. And one of the locations is... Actually, Mustafar, which is, of course, the lava planet. And the reason that fans are super excited is that in the distance you can see Darth Vader's castle. So it's very subtle. Maybe they just snuck it in and never told Disney. But it's now a fact. The Marvel and the Star Wars universe have collided, even though it's just in an alternate universe. But uh, only for that reason I want to watch that episode. Um... Uh, someone else asked me if I'm not living in Amersfoort anymore. No, 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 no. Actually, it's been a half a year uh, ago I moved, uh, or I had to move, actually. They uh, they wanted to rent the rectory to um, uh, a company or people that had more money than I had, so I was asked asked to move. So I've been living here in Wageningen for six months now, uh, working on the renovation of my future. Well, actually, right now it's my home. I live there just not sleeping there tonight because, uh, there's only a mattress on the floor and it still needs to be cleaned. Um, then, um, Galactic Gamer wants to know what kind of clothes I wear other than a cassock. (laughs) Well, actually I rarely ever wear a cassock. I had one from Rome, but, uh, it's quite inconvenient. It's, it's not very convenient because here in the Netherlands we're always on our bikes. Try riding a bike with a cassock. It's not a good idea. So, (laughs) No, I'm always in clergyman, as they call it, like the black attire. Um, But when I'm running, I'm just wearing shorts and uh, a black Nike t-shirt. And when I sleep, I have pajamas. And they're blue, in case you want to know. Dark blue. So I like blue for pajamas. And I have no other clothes, so... Hope that answers your question. <laughs> all right, I need to talk about movies because one of the big advantages of moving to Benicoma is that I will be living 10 minutes away by bike from a fantastic movie theater. I've already talked about that in earlier shows. Uh, it has some really, really good screens, excellent audio in most of the... Uh, for, with Go with most of the screens. And, and they have all the most recent movies. So I have a subscription now which is a, a bit expensive, especially when consi- when you consider all the other monthly subscriptions that we already have, or at least I have. Like, because of this show and my work in general, trying to keep up with uh, popular uh, culture, I have Disney Plus and Amazon Prime and Netflix and pff, some other stuff. Oh, of course, Xbox. And, you know, those kind of gaming uh, monthly fees. In addition to that, I did choose to uh, get a monthly uh, movie theater subscription because for more than half a year and a half I haven't been able to go to the movies. I used to have a subscription in Amersfoort, but then I moved to a small village near Amersfoort, and then it was like a 25-minute bike ride to the nearest theater. That's just a little bit too far, so I kind of gave up on that as well. But now there's no excuse for me not to have a subscription, and I've already made my money back for this month because I've been watching a ton of great movies. Free guy. Free guy. What a fantastic movie. If you follow me on YouTube, you may have already seen my review. If not, go check it out. I'm not going to rehash what I said there. But I left the movie theater with a huge grin on my face. I loved this movie. I actually watched it on the last day that it was only in theaters because the next day it came to Disney+. Plus, So you can now watch it on Disney+, Plus as well. And I highly recommend you do. Also, definitely check out my, my spoiler-free reaction for some of my my views on that movie, I will dev, I really want to go and see it again um, and, and analyze it as well. Maybe I'll record something for my, um, what is it? Uh, f- there are some tiers f- with the patrons where they get extra content and sometimes I do these, you know, analysis of TV series. Uh, I did uh, Loki, for instance, and uh, sometimes the occasional movie. So maybe I'll do that and, and drop it in there for uh, for for some of my patrons. Um then I saw another movie with Anthony Hopkins that I heard so many good things about the the movie has been in in that theater for several weeks if not months and it was still packed with people most of them older people and it was I think because of the topic of the of the movie itself it's called The Father and it, ta- it tells a story about um a, a, well a father who is um Affected more and more by dementia, by the consequences of dementia, and it shows his story. It shows the people around him, how they deal with or don't deal with the situation, and it's very well acted. I mean, my father has dementia as well, um, and so a lot of the movie was extremely familiar. Um, even the the way in which Anthony Hopkins plays the father, there were some some things that were so like. What my father does and and did and uh, and also good things, so it's very relatable if you if you know people who w- went through the process of dementia or dealing with dementia. Um, it may be a bit confrontational for people that are actually currently caretakers. I've had several reactions from followers told me I'd love to see it, but it's it's too close. It's too I'm currently taking care of. Uh, someone with dementia or just came out of it. And it's it's tough. It's really tough. But this movie, I think, does a great job uh, making you empathize with both the patient and also with the caretakers. So if only for that, I loved that movie. It was really extraordinary. Then I watched yesterday, No Time to Die, the latest James Bond movie and the last James Bond movie featuring Daniel Craig as James Bond I, uh, I really liked the his run of the franchise, but I'm also glad that we're moving on to a new James Bond. Uh, it is another opportunity to maybe change the style a little bit. Uh, Daniel Craig has given James Bond a very kind of grivet, uh, gritty, kind of tough um, vibe, which wasn't always my favorite. As I said in my review on YouTube, I grew up with Roger Moore, so you can't get more, more almost like a parody than than Roger Moore. Um, And yet, what I liked about it was the humor and also it never really took itself very seriously, Uh, whereas with Daniel Craig was sometimes so, so serious, so too serious. Um, But this last movie was good. Um, I wouldn't say it was the best James Bond movie that I've ever seen. Um, It's all... James Bond is just a collection of tropes, right? But they they just give it a new spin. And of course, nowadays it's so well done. Everything is so well executed. The movie was long. It was longer than I expected and if you ask me, a bit longer than necessary, but the especially the last part of the movie makes up for it because it's a I think it's a really gratifying ending to uh, to the story. And right now everything is possible. So, I, from what I understood, again, this is a movie that has not been uh, issued in the United States yet. I was so surprised. The same with June. You guys have to wait until October for these two movies? I don't understand why. Maybe it is because everything in the U.S. is mostly shifting towards the, se- the f- seasonal festivities. That's when people go to the movie theater. I don't know, Thanksgiving and... Uh, Christmas, whereas here it's usually right after the the school starts that we get the good movies. It's just I don't know, different different movie going tradition I guess, but for my part I'm super happy that I was able to see these movies so early in, in the past it was always the opposite So, when Star Wars came out, I had to wait half a year before seeing it here in the Netherlands. Uh, You know, can imagine how excruciating that must be. But today, there's actually no excuse whatsoever to delay the release of a movie, if not for monetary reasons. So, it's... uh, I I keep all my my reviews on on YouTube spoiler-free, because I know how annoying it is to be waiting for a movie that you're looking forward to so much and then have other people spoil it. So... Hopefully you can safely watch uh, those YouTube videos. Then I need to talk about the big surprise of the year on Netflix. It is a series that comes from South Korea and it is a global hit and for good reason. Um, I watched the first episode. I'm gonna play the trailer here and I'll tell you why I think this deserves to be a hit. All of you in this room are, are living on the edge. I'm translating with debts, you can just can't uh, pay no, off. Excuse me. How, how much is the I prize know. money? So all these guys oh, are, yeah, are taking part <laughs> in a in all in, uh, in uh, big games. We can't disclose any information on the games beforehand, so we don't know what they're going to play. If you do not wish to participate, please let us know now. And of course nobody does. If you cross the line in five minutes without getting caught, you pass this round. Is this a game we played as kids? And there they go. And the first one is killed. You can win 45 billion dollars. This is just a game. If you follow the rules, you can leave this place safely with the prize money. The player is not allowed to stop playing. Any player that refuses to play will be eliminated, aka killed. A man just died. Can't you hear me? This is right. He's. Talking to cameras, Squid Game, a Netflix series. So this was a bit of a surprise hit. If the first time I heard about this movie was on the, our Discord server, and some of you had already watched it and said it was really good, uh, very addictive. And now I can see why because this is something I can't stop watching. It's it's, it, it reminded me a bit, the premise reminded me of the Hunger Games in the sense that it is literally you play until you die and only one person will remain alive, which is something that the participants in this game or in these games don't know. They are kind of tricked into this because they have monetary debts and then they, there's always the stranger that offers them to, you know, actually wants to play a game with them and if they win they get a bit of money and then they invite they are invited to this bigger game and they can win enough money to pay off all their debts and 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 then some and apparently hundreds if not thousands of people have have accepted the invitation and signed away their rights and they are now trapped in this world where they are supposed to play children's games against each other so the same games that they played in the schoolyard however this time the 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 if you don't win you basically you lose your life which makes it very bloody and very gritty uh some of the characters are extremely non-sympathetic uh in the first episode that was what surprised me this is not the kind of television that we are used to where there are always a few people that you can relate to but basically all the participants in these games are you know messed up people and uh have very very Odd behavior, if not insulting behavior. And I was shocked that the, the, the main character of the first episode, he was a jerk. He was really an awful, awful, awful person. I could not root for him, but I was still eager to know what would happen to him and maybe if there is redemption or something like that. I guess I'll see because I haven't f- finished watching, but this is really, really compelling. And it's so refreshing to see a series all the way from South Korea. I'm a sucker for these new uh TV series from different countries. We've had some excellent uh, uh science fiction from from Europe, from France, uh, other, other other stuff. And it goes because it's on Netflix, it can go global. Whereas in the past none of that would ever go beyond the boundaries and the confinement of 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 the native language that is spoken in the movie and now all that has changed. So this is not dubbed in English. This is subtitled. So that's going to be uh, maybe a bit of a uh, will require some getting used to for those of you that never read subtitles. For us in the Netherlands, we are very used to it. And actually, I think just hearing the Korean adds to the the overall the overall I I don't know, exoticness of the of the series. And it's it's well produced, the acting is a bit over the top, and but in but in a, in a certain way the story kind of makes that work. Um, the, I saw one TikTok video which actually went viral from a lady who speaks Korean fluently, and she said the translation, the subtitles on Netflix, is, are horrible. They they completely misinterpret a, a lot of the of the dialogue, and sometimes even even tell you the opposite of what is said. So uh, for uh, many Korean people that live abroad, this is infuriating because they say, well, you you totally miss the nuances of the original script because the translation is so bad. And, well, we all know uh, what the reason is. It's just money. It's expensive. Subtitling uh, is a very laborious and expensive job. And so they probably were in a rush and just... Kind of messed it up. and and apparently, from what I heard, this is the case with uh, a lot of stuff on Netflix. Their subtitling services are not very good. And um, sometimes in my own TV shows, I need subtitles. Um, but I always, always verify if the person who has translated the the dialogue, uh, understands the nuances, especially with French, for instance. I'm, I'm, Well, I'm not a native speaker, but almost. I French is kind of my second language. And so I'm always wary when, when someone who has not been at the interview or has no knowledge of the Catholic world is translating um, what is said because they can still misinterpret so many things. And once it's written, it's there to stay. So, yeah. But um, anyway... The Squid Game. Very, very interesting television and I hope that this will open the door even more to to wonderful television series and and movies from abroad. When I say abroad, I mean basically non-English because I think that there are creative people and storytellers all over the world and for once, we don't need to live in the country where that stuff is aired. When did you become an expert in thermonuclear astrophysics? Last night. The packet. The extraction theory papers. Am I the only one who did the reading? The Lost Art of Doing Nothing. I was surprised to discover that that was actually written by a fellow Dutchman. This is a book about what we call in Dutch, Nixon. And it's not Nixon, like the president, like N I X O N. But it's N I K S E N, N I K S E N. So Nixon, and that's a word that I'm very familiar with. It means basically doing nothing. It has a bit of a negative connotation. So when when sometimes in when I was still in in, in school, um, I, and I'd be back home from school and I didn't want to start my homework yet, I would just sit on the couch and and read a book or. Or play video games, and then my father or my mother would enter the room, uh, and say, "Sit you here to Nixon? Uh, Are you still? Are you nixing again?" And it basically means, "Are you still? Are you wasting your time?" And and this, of course, has to do a lot with our upbringing. And I guess that my upbringing has been like yours. It was always kind of looked down upon to do nothing. You have to be useful. You have to make the most of your time. Um the book explains very well that this is also sometimes religiously motivated, like like you have a mission and God wants you to use every second of your time and work hard and uh but but it also um I think for me convincingly, and that was new to me, shows that this is not just a Calvinist Protestant attitude, but the Dutch have always been like hardworking. And but Nixon is also part of what we do in, in the Netherlands and it's the art of literally doing nothing, just wasting time and the book goes on it, it expands it I think in a in a, in a much needed way because otherwise it would be very shallow in in, in kind of um, helping you to rediscover the fact that you can't always be on and it I think it creates interesting parallels with uh, the whole, Uh, awareness type of attitude or meditation where you try to be in the moment and it's stress-reducing. And then there is also some scientific research that shows that people that meditate or pray actually do have lower stress levels and there are some benefits to it. Me personally, I've discovered very much how how, um, after having lived for years and years on this breakneck speed type of life where I was always working, that the moment that I discovered that I was doing that for the wrong reasons, that that was actually part of a almost a childhood trauma, where um, I felt like I always had to be useful, and otherwise I just wouldn't people wouldn't love me. It was never good enough. Once I discovered that that was the mechanism behind it, I wasn't cured immediately, but I did realize how much. The big question you have to ask yourself is, but why? Why would I work so hard? Why do I always want to do more than? I can I actually can do and and why do I feel guilty when I spend time just watching TV or reading a book one of the reasons that I that for years I have not read many books is that it felt so useless because reading a book is not something you can share I actually I was more um how would you say that I, I felt that I could justify going to the movies because I would then... Put up a review on my podcast. I I, I could play video games because I could stream the video game and people could watch it with me. But reading a book, there's nothing more personal and individual than reading a book. Of course, I still do reviews here on the show, but why would I read a 700-page book if I can just read a 100-page book and do a review about that book? So reading is actually not entirely necessary. However, it's incredibly beneficial to me, and, and reading takes time, and it forces me to take time, even though I sometimes do switch, well, ta- actually not switch tasking, but I do back background tasking, if you wonder what that is. Go listen to the last week's episode of The Walk, I think. That's where I explain the myth of multitasking and why switch tasking is not very productive, and only background tasking is something you can do. So background tasking is what I do when I run, and at the same time, I'm, I'm actually on a Borg ship trying to fight the Borg and being sent back in time by Q. <laughs> but, um, but Nixon and, and just having leisure time in your life, taking the time to unwind, it has been very beneficial for my sleep habits, uh, for my creativity as well. Even Nixon, when you are at work, is, is and I know this from other research as well, is very important. You cannot be productive for eight hours. Nobody can. Even the ones that say that they are, they aren't. It's just, you know, what do you define? How do you define being productive? Being productive can also be taking time to let your thoughts wander. Creativity is very hard to measure by output. In fact, I think it's the twenty eighty percent rule. Um, like the the what i do what i produce for instance tv shows the ultimate work that i do the production itself is only 20% of my time 80% is selecting is thinking is brainstorming is puzzling and then and then in 20% of the time i i do all the work same thing with homilies um yes i can I can uh, give you a homily right there on the spot with no preparation, no, no. I don't have to read. I don't have to write down my thoughts. I can just speak off the cuff, and and give you a homily, and it's it's gonna be it's gonna be good. I I know I'm not saying that, but I know that I can entertain my audience during a mass. But what it doesn't take into account is that before I do that, I did have time to look around, to experience things, to do interviews, to think about stuff. And all that is the work that I do that is not necessarily uh, the production of a homily, but I do spend large amounts of time in, in gathering the ingredients for, for, uh, for the homily itself. And it is because I've given myself time and creativity... That, that I can uh, preach off the cuff. Because that's just the end result of a very long process. So even in my own experience, um, compared with cooking, you may spend, like, especially if you do more oriental type of cooking, you spend most of the time just cutting stuff into pieces. Like this afternoon I made a lasagna. I spent 45 minutes just doing all the prep work and then the actual production of the lasagna is just shove it in the oven and wait for 45 minutes. So that's, that's uh, what I liked about the book. It makes you uh, feel good about wasting time and not always being on. And that is something that I truly had to learn. So there's a lot I recognized. But then it struck me that, well, wait a minute. Actually, yes, that is something that we in Holland are good at. Maybe because we work so hard. And sometimes we really just need to switch off. Uh, But even in in our country, it is still a battle to justify it mostly to yourself. You always feel a bit guilty when you've been, you know, mixing. No more, no more. The scientifically wonderful world of science. What sort of science? Welcome back, science friends. Welcome back, science friends. I want to talk about uh, science in general and about a very interesting book that I read. It's uh, it's called How to Talk to a Science Denier. So this is a book that is um, basically handling the the topic of. We all know people that, that do that. Maybe sometimes we ourselves are, in, to a certain degree, science deniers. We, we kind of sometimes don't really research stuff, but we, we, know, we, we think we know something from hearsay, or we watch the video and then we just we, we throw out of the window all scientific procedure and we just believe it. I've held many beliefs in my life, that may sound strange coming from a priest, I've held many beliefs that now, I would say, were highly unscientifically and almost on the verge of being conspiratorial. (laughs) Oh my goodness, English is so hard. Conspiratorial, I think that's how you call it. So, um, to give you an example... Uh as a child, I was all into UFOs, unidentified flying objects. But wait, you see, you say, they've just proven that unidentified flying objects exist. Uh, there are now videos from, from airplanes. Yes, 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 yes. But actually, we've just seen unidentified objects. It doesn't mean they're from outer space. It doesn't mean they're aliens. It doesn't mean that Area 51 is a place where the, they dissect little gray man. Uh, or green men, for that matter. Um, but I, as a child, I, I just scanned in um, a talk or a booklet that I made for a talk I did in primary school about UFOs, where I just, without any critical sense, just copied what I read in various magazines, and I was... I thought it was real, you know? I, it's like, ah. Even including back then already, they were talking about government uh, 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 cover-ups and everything. So that mytho- mythology of, of the government hiding all this information that they have about extraterrestrial life from us. I As a child, I, I went for it hook and sinker. Um, nowadays, I'm way more skeptical, even towards sometimes stuff in my own church where I was like, hmm, well... Saying that something is miraculous is one thing. Saying that you cannot explain it yet is oftentimes much more appropriate to say a miracle. I'm not excluding that it uh, that miracles happen and and exist, um, but in fact, what's much more important is is what is the meaning of those miracle stories, um, and maybe there are. are explanations for certain things that in the past were regarded as miraculous um to give you an, an example that may shock some of you uh uh and again i have to to uh to say bef- uh, first that i have not studied this extensively so again well that's that's part of of having a scientific approach to things like you you are ready to change your views based on new evidence so i always that's why i always want to have an open mind because it's very hard to know everything and so but you can always learn and you can always shift your your mindset and and learn and 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 maybe correct your your previous views so and that's that's the difference with sometimes these Conspiracy thinkers, where it's all so ideol ideologically fixed, and 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 um, and, and they will sometimes accuse science for having it wrong. Like if you look at the whole COVID developments of the past year and a half. You know, they would say, well, well, well that scientist said that uh, it's actually safe to not wear mouth, mouth covers or mouth masks. And now, uh, three months later, they said it was indispensable to combat the pandemic. You see, so they're wrong. You know, if they were wrong back then, they're wrong now. N- no, that's actually how science works. You study based on what you have as data. You make a first conclusion, but it's always, it's al- it can always be modified if you know more. And so that is that is I think something that is very important to me. So to give you the the example from my own Catholic background, you uh, you have um, these stories about. Uh, I think this is true also for the story of the depiction of the the the, the Virgin of uh, Guadalupe, where uh, according to the story, this is a miraculous image that appeared on the mantle of uh this this uh, saint um and it's still on display and according to to some uh if you if you amplify if you uh use a microscope to look at the eyes of the the pupils of the image you will actually see a perfectly three-dimensional view of the room uh and you see the The person who received the image on his mantle. You see some other people, and they they uh, they have this whole theory that this is actually a, a completely inexplicable depiction of the scene that you would have in three D if this was a real eye. As much as I value that story and I value the devotion to the Virgin of Guadalupe, I personally think that is a very premature uh, um, conclusion I I don't believe it I'm a skeptic and um, and I can be without rejecting the value of that tradition because the message of the Virgin Mary is it's is not a sign it's not to prove like look at look at my eyes look at how miraculous that is I think actually what what could explain this um, and I've seen some pictures of it. And it was like, I think I, I agree with the scientists that say, well, this is just what we do when we look at the clouds. We want to see something, and so we see it. Our minds make sense of of basically random patterns. And so we do that all the time. You know, we, we, we try to we create patterns because our mind is rigged that way. So I I I that is one. One Catholic thing where I'm on the side of the skeptics, and I think it's it could also even be de- detracting. It's it's like also with some of the in, what they call the incorruptibles, you know, saints that when they opened the tomb, they were intact; their their bodies had not decomposed. Um, they're saying that of Bernadette Subiru, but there's a lot that they left out in those stories, and if you look at the entire data that is available about the several times that they opened her tomb she actually maybe the first time she was incorruptible or she her body was intact the second time absolutely not and the the body that's currently on display is covered in a wax mask so uh, it, it was a mummified corpse that they found when they reopened the the tomb uh, late, at a later stage so i'm always a bit careful if you if you if you believe too quickly and then science and research will prove that you're wrong, it can also invalidate the more important things. So that is why I always caution that we, and, and the Catholic Church in general, has been usually very cautious with uh, with, with declaring something mm, to be miraculous or of... Uh, um, uh, extraordinary origin or something like that, even with apparitions. the church Catholic Church is w- one of the most skeptical parties in the <laughs> and, and 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 sometimes takes decades to judge whether something is um, you know receive validation or not. anyway, this this book talks about uh, a, a lot of the modern day conspiracy theories and the overall, and this is definitely a trend. That um, no matter what your your own opinions are, but it is a trend that you see much more skepticism towards science than than I remember from ten years ago. And this, of course, is not such a problem with something like uh, flat ear- earthers, because and this is actually a thing. I, I did not know that like a large percentage. Not the majority, but a large percentage of the Brazilian population actually believes that the Earth is flat, and I couldn't believe it. It's like what? <laughs> it's not too, not so hard to disprove, um, but it it uh, it gets more dangerous, of course, when um, this anti scientific or this 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 mm, uh, this mistrust in science concerns something like COVID or the existence of COVID. Um, or, or the, the belief that, that vaccines can be uh, both safe and uh, and and be very efficient in in preventing more more people dying from COVID, and uh, even maybe in long term even more uh, impactful is everything that concerns global warming and the and climate change, where the majority of scientists agrees. And this is worldwide. This is, scientists from all over the world agree that this is real, and this is definitely influenced majorly by by our own behavior. Um, and I, I know that I have listeners who don't believe a word of that, and they will they will show you examples of why you can't trust scientists, etc. Now, what I wanted to say is this book is, I think, deals with that in a in a very good way. In a sense, that it explains the origins of of, of science denial, or or uh, and you know what's going on, uh, on and, and and this plays in various different levels. And it's not something new. This has always been uh, the case uh, throughout history that people in in certain times have been become very skeptical all of a sudden against, or or even started to believe in conspiracy theories. Um, it's it's a comp- complex system. What I liked about it is that it is. Uh, the book really advocates an attitude of respect and dialogue. In fact, says that is the only way to change someone else's mind. Is not by insulting them, saying that they're stupid, that they're crazy, that they'll you know, uh, because that immediately reinforces the person to to confirm the, their beliefs. That's also how we are wired. We we often. The, and this is something that I've experienced in my own life as well. It's, it's confirmation bias. You tend to only hear what you want to hear, what strengthens your own opinions. And if you look at times that you change your opinion, it was often because someone you trusted, someone who took the time to talk with you, explain things, and then gradually, because you trusted that person, you start to also trust that person's opinion. But if someone just insults you and say you're crazy, you? I get that every single day on YouTube. When I did my June review, I had a number of people that said, oh, it's so ironic that a priest likes June, whereas June is just one big warning against believing in, in messiahs and following them blindly. How could a priest, and it's like you're not really going to win me over by by that attitude. You know, instead and and I'm not going to convince them that yes, you have to believe in a messiah. The thing what I could do is to show empathy and that yes, I agree with you. It's not good to follow blindly messiah figures that tell you that they are the saviors of the world. You always have to keep thinking for yourself and you have to have reasons to believe. And you know it's ca- catholics and christians are not just blindly following their leader because they're stupid you know so it is uh, the book i think does this in a very very convincing way and also gives a lot of examples from the um, the author's own experience in how he tried to talk with people that had opposite viewpoints of him uh, but he still respected them and still took time to listen to them even if they had crazy ideas and, and that was very... Um, I, it really made me think, because I often have this this same arrogance where I'm thinking, oh, these people are crazy. Come on, it's crazy. Who believes that? That's not going to win anyone over. And it also uh, could even stop you from doing the research yourself. How much confirmation bias do I have? How much have I believed in the past in things that turned out to be completely bogus, you know, and I don't believe them anymore? I should. Be, we always should... Be critical. And for me, science is not an opinion. Especially if you look at the majority of scientists, if there is scientific consensus. It doesn't mean that science is always right. Science is always learning, developing, adapting, maybe sometimes even changing their points of view. But always looking for the truth. And it's that quest for the truth that is sometimes hard to find. One thing that conspiracy theories have in common is that they, they comfort... The their adepts because it, it it makes things logic seem logical, it, it it seems to create some sense to something that is very hard to accept or to grasp, but it can also be a black hole uh, for critical thinking where where it's 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 also very convenient sometimes, um, and even very intelligent people can still follow some conspira- conspiracy conspiracy theories because it just fits their current mindset uh, and, and it fulfills a need. And so if someone needs a conspiracy theory in his or her life, you cannot just take that away from them. You have to always go to the source. So what? why do you believe that? One question that the, the author always asks his opponents is, uh, "An opponents, I mean that not in an adversarial way, but people that think opposite diametrically opposite of 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 how he thinks is what would you need uh, in terms of proof or research to change your mind and i think that's a very good question because it means that you are actually you're trying to help the other person think and to to get more insight in 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 his or her own uh... thought process and and the possible fallacies in that and so uh, this, this, this whole uh, uh, motto that you often hear in circles, uh, in conspiracy circles, do your own research. What if you just take that seriously and invite them to do the same? Do your own research. And research, we're talking scientific research. We're not talking, oh, I watched three YouTube videos and they all said the same thing. There's not a single scientist in the world that would qualify that as research. And so, that is also something that we I think we need to educate our children. What is what is research? How do you check your sources? Uh, do, do you always have to be s- skeptical in a good way? In a sense that you oh, keep thinking, don't just believe anything you you see because algorithms can make you think that the, there is a consensus. Everybody thinks like that. Always make sure that you you go to the right sources and that you. Th- Keep thinking. Keep searching for the truth. If something is too convenient, if it's too good to be true, then maybe it's not true. Anyway, was oh, a very interesting book in case you want to read it yourself. It's called, uh, as I said, uh, How to Talk to a Science Denier. The title is a little bit more... Controversial than the actual contents of the book. It's written by Lee McIntyre and it uh, came out this year. And that wraps it up for this episode of my weekly show, Father Roderick. Now, in case you watched this show also on YouTube while I was restreaming streaming the recording, then you may think, well, hey, I, I'm missing this or that segment. Um, to tell you the truth, I forgot to press record. So I only streamed it. And then, of course, as happens always when I'm trying to stream something here from the Rectory in uh, in Wageningen, the internet stream broke halfway through. So because I forgot to record it locally, I only had the original files on YouTube to work from. So uh, a whole part of the show is lost forever. It is, well... It's no longer there. So I went to my editing, my uh, audio editing program and patched the salvaged parts that were fortunately still saved on YouTube, patched them together. Hopefully it was still more or less um, a show that was worth your time. I'll try to do better next week. Please. Pray that I will soon be in my own rectory and I'll have good internet. And, of course, that I won't forget to press report on my roadcaster anymore. Although, it's something that just happens. Anyway, thanks for listening. Have a wonderful week and talk to you soon.